Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, holiday spending trends. The Rosemont Marching Band gets a gig in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade and the Golden Gopher Turkey Drive. But first... Two state lawmakers stepped down this week amid a growing web of allegations of sexual harassment leveled against prominent people. MNN's Bill Werner was at the state capitol when news broke of the resignations. Scott, word of the two state legislators' resignations came nearly simultaneously, one day before the start of the long Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Representative Tony Cornish, a Republican from Vernon Center and gun rights advocate who chaired a powerful committee, issued a statement saying, quote, as a proud former peace officer and longtime champion for public safety. I am forced to face the reality that I have made some at the Capitol feel uncomfortable and disrespected. Cornish apologized for what he termed my unwelcome behavior, specifically to a then-unnamed lobbyist who stepped forward shortly after, identifying herself as Sarah Walker. Cornish went on to say, quote, I would also like to apologize to God, my family, my constituents, and friends for the mistakes I have made, unquote. Tony Cornish. Walker says Cornish propositioned her for sex dozens of times and once forced her into a wall to try to kiss her. She says after that story came out, many people offered support, which gives her hope that those working at the state capitol will not endure the type of harassment she faced. The same night Cornish announced he was stepping down, the attorney for State Senator Dan Schoen also confirmed his client would resign. But Schoen, a Democrat and Cottage Grove police officer, took quite a different stance, presenting evidence he claims supports his innocence. If that's the case, then why resign? Schoen's attorney Dan Rogoshevsky was asked. It's due to the fact that you just have lost your ability to go forward. I mean, these allegations are such... Uh, I, I don't think uh, if I was Jesus Christ reincarnated, I'd convince me quite that uh, he didn't harass her. Uh, and when you're in that type of an atmosphere where people don't trust you, people don't believe you, it's hard to get things done. Uh, the senator felt that he would just be a lightning rod and things wouldn't get done. State Representative Erin May Quaid accused Senator Schoen of inappropriate conduct when she was running for the Minnesota House, in particular a text message apparently intended for someone else saying, quote, I almost got her, working on her pretty hard, but I almost got her, unquote. Schoen attorney Rogoshevsky says his client's message intended for someone in the law enforcement community actually referred to his efforts to change May Quaid's mind about the Jamar Clark case. There were additional allegations against Schoen from a Senate staff member, Ellen Anderson, who accused him of sending her a sexually explicit Snapchat photo. Attorney Rogoshevsky claims that was intended for an intimate partner of Schoen, but he mistakenly sent it to Anderson. That's what's wrong in this day and age. Nobody picks up the phone anymore. Everybody does text messaging and emails, and they use these stupid little emails. Uh, everything is taken out of content. After Schoen's resignation... Anderson, in a statement, said, quote, To me, this was never about a single picture, but about a pattern of inappropriate behavior that is not acceptable at the Senate or any other workplace, unquote. And Representative May Quaid issued a statement saying, The resignation of two such harassers in the Minnesota state legislature is not enough to dismantle a pervasive culture of misogyny or to end the sexual harassment of women inside and outside the Capitol. 
Unless systematic and widespread changes are enacted, these behaviors and subsequent attempts to cover up instances of harassment will continue, unquote, Representative Aaron May Quaid. Governor Mark Dayton early on had called for Schoen to step down, and when that resignation came, along with that of Representative Cornish, he talked about the effect he believes it will have on changing the culture at the Minnesota State Capitol. Very important first steps. I think they're both doing the right thing. I think the events and other information has shown the deficiencies in the legislative way of, of dealing with these uh, situations when they occur. And so we're uh, going to be doing our part, and I trust the legislature will be doing its part. Governor, there has been concern expressed by some, uh, Representative May Quaid among them, uh, that now that these resignations are out of the way, so to speak, this issue might be less front burner. Your, your thoughts on that? I, I think it is front burner. I think it will stay front burner for quite a while. I think it needs to be front burner so that these uh, changes are effectuated so we don't go back to previous practices. The governor, however, has not called for the resignation of Senator Al Franken, who is also facing allegations of sexual harassment. I know from serving in the Senate that the Senate Ethics Committee is a well-established and highly respected process for reviewing situations like this and making the right decisions. And so I've said that I believe I will defer the U.S. Senate Ethics Committee to investigate and act on it before um, making any further judgment. That, that, that kind of well-established procedure uh, doesn't exist in, in, in the Minnesota legislature. That's Governor Mark Dayton. The situation involving Senator Al Franken is still unfolding, and we will see in the coming weeks and months whether additional allegations also surface at the Minnesota Capitol. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Well, it is with great pride, and it gives me great pleasure to announce today that Rosemount High School Marching Band has been selected to represent the great state of Minnesota and perform in New York City in the 2017 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. That was the official announcement in April 2016 that 275 marching band students from Rosemont High School would get to spend the Turkey Day holiday in the Big Apple for the annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Performing in the parade presents its challenges, but raising the money to get there presented challenges too. Fundraiser and band parent Stephanie Abraham explains. We decided to just really laser focus all the talents and skills um, and efforts of our very large parent community um, to help these kids get to New York City. And we decided to do a two-prong approach. One was for the kids to go ahead and earn money on their own. The other was a corporate sponsorship component. Regarding the students themselves, we did a number of things. We worked with Cub Foods, and the kids went and did bagging groceries. That ended up, believe it or not, um, over, I want to say, 13 installations, we came up with thirteen over $13,000 to spread out amongst the children. Wow. Um, the big one, though, was the Marchathon. We call it a Marchathon, in which we took a day, about four to five hours, in which um, it was a mandatory uh, 
presence for this. So we had all 200, nearly 275 students come to the school in the morning. They were given a, um, a neighborhood to canvas, and the neighbors were uh, no, um, alerted ahead of time through the newspaper that this would occur, and uh, kids would go do- knocking door to door asking just simply for a donation. Um, residents would receive a cling or a Macy's pin for their donation. Um, and within four to five hours, we collected over $23,000. Um, and that was then put into all of the student accounts as well. Um, so things like that, car washes, of course, um, selling any items that had a really good return on their effort, meaning um, if they sold something for $40, they got 50% back. Um, so we were looking for different kinds of fundraisers that had a really good return for the student's effort. Um, and things like restaurants, you know, Culver's said, hey, we would love to, you know, give 10% of the profits for the evening to the school, but we need some students to help work. And so the students would then sign up and then they would get a a portion of those profits as well. So in terms of that, that some of the things that the students were doing, their parents, on the other hand, um, and some of the students who were old enough were also working with a group called Achieving Dreams. You might have heard it. They really help um, direct groups for fundraising efforts to go work concessions at our various stadiums here in the Twin Cities. And so many parents, and if the student was uh, eligible, 16 or even 18 years of age, they could work an evening shift or an afternoon shift at a concert or a baseball game, and then they could earn that money, and then that would also get then put into their account. So individually, we were doing everything we could to find various opportunities to uh, allow these children to get out and um, fundraise for themselves. And many of them were, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like to hire a few of them as salespeople because they're fantastic at what they do. So a lot of them uh, did a really good job. And do we have a, a grand total of money raised associated with the trip? Well, it's, it's a little bit of a moving target, but at the last um, opportunity that we looked, on an individual account level, we raised, I mean, the kids and the parents were raised over $195,000 with that Achieving Dreams, the, the begging, the Merchathon, all of that combined. And then from a corporate sponsorship um, level and also, you know, donation tables that we've had for the past 16 months um, and restaurant fundraisers, we've raised over $65,000 that way. Band leader Ben Harloff has the inside story of how the band came to be chosen to play in the iconic parade. We applied to, to be in the parade about a, a year and a half ago, and the application process is, is quite um, in-depth. We had to send uh, videos. We had to receive a few letters of recommendation. And uh, we also had to um, send a resume that had you know certain big... Uh, events on that for them to uh, to select us to be in the parade. And in terms of actual preparation on uh, behalf of the marching band itself, what kinds of prep have you folks been doing, and how long has the uh, the prep period been? Yeah, the the Rosemont Marching Band is uh, is also a competitive group. Every fall, we go to five to six competitions throughout uh, the Midwest. And we started in uh, June or even early July practicing um, specifically for the, the competitive 
portion of our season, which is not the Macy's part that we're, that we're obviously doing right now. And we ended our competitive uh, season in Indianapolis at the Bands of America competition. And uh, we did really, really well. Very, very excited. Um, that was probably mid-October. And then uh, right when we got home, we passed out the, the Macy's music. We're doing two songs that we will be marching uh, to down 6th Avenue. And then we have uh, another piece that we're playing for the, the TV NBC special at uh, Herald Square. And are you allowed to tell me what the songs are? Absolutely. Um, the two songs that we're going to play during the route is uh, we're doing Santa Claus is Coming to Town, uh, very festive, and we're also doing Let It Snow, Let It Snow down the route. For the, for the portion that we're at Herald Square, um, we have a lot of special things going on at Rosemont High School right now. The, the school just turned 100 years old, and uh, we're very, very proud of that. And, um, you know, the timing of us going to the Macy's Parade, uh, we wanted to continue that, that celebration. So the, uh, the performance that we'll have at, at Herald Square, um, it's called uh, Pride in the Past, Promise in the Future, and that is a part of the school's motto. And uh, we had it specially arranged. We're using some American me- uh, melodies along with some Irish melodies because we are the Rosemont Irish. And visually, what you're going to see is you're going to see us honor the Statue of Liberty. And the flags are going to have a, a picture of Statue of Liberty on it. There might even be a big surprise at the end that you can see on, uh, on national television. So we just wanted this, this whole celebration, not just the band going to New York, but uh, a whole community and school um, uh, you know, excitement of, of turning 100 years old. Mackay is a senior in the marching band, and he says it's hard to describe how he feels about playing at such a high-profile event. How I feel? Oh, gosh, it's, it's a mix. I'm very excited, um, nervous to know how, to just, how it's going to flow through, but overall I'm just very excited to see what's going what's gonna to happen. So. Uh, I, I was just talking to uh, band leader Ben just a few moments ago, and he talked about focus. How do you manage to maintain your focus when you have all those things going on, and I'm sure there's going to be so much going on around you? Mm-hmm. I think, um, and this is a this is an idea that I think they've expressed a lot. But this idea of uh, thinking as a unit instead of like as an individual. And when I consider myself as a part of a unit, I start to realize that um, in order for us, in a sense, to succeed as a group, uh, you have to maintain a strong sense of focus. And so there are times in which, um, like, I'll I'll be standing uh, in the band and. I, I understand that the the best thing to do is just to, um, in a sense, be focused and to um, pay attention to what I've done and like the mistakes I played or uh, the um, the things I've done. So I think um, focus. I think uh, yeah, it just entails. At least for me, it entails that idea of just thinking and working as a unit. And you mentioned uh, kind of the excitement and the nervousness associated with it, but tell me what it means to you in terms of uh, what an honor it is for you to be able to be in a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime position to do this. How, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's, um, <laughs> it, I, I'm honestly, I'm at a loss of words. Every time I think about it and I have the opportunity to just take a second and step back at the, the opportunity that I've have uh, that's been given to me, 
it is an honor to be able, in a sense, to represent not only myself and like the people around me, but to represent my high school and, um, and in a sense, almost like the entire, um, what is it, the entirety of our county, the town, the state. Um, so I think it's, it, it's, uh, <laughs> honestly, like I say, I'm just at a loss of words because I, there's so many things that come to my head and just how, how much it means. Marimba player Makai and the Rosemont High School Band doing Minnesota proud and marching into Macy's Thanksgiving Parade history. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. All signs are pointing to a strong holiday shopping season this year. MN's Tasha Radel explains. The latest St. Thomas holiday spending survey shows Minnesotans are planning to dig deep into their pocketbooks this Christmas. Joining me now is St. Thomas University marketing professor emeritus Dave Brennan. Dave, tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of this year's survey. Well, I can tell you, first of all, that the uh, average household uh, spend will be $950, and uh, that is up 3.5% from last year. And these numbers almost perfectly mirror what it, the National Retail Federation uh, came out with this week, and that was $967 in terms of household spend, but all, also up 3.5 percentage points. So we're pretty much, the Twin Cities is pretty much the same as the uh, the nation as a whole. And, you know, I have to ask, uh, where are folks going to be spending this money this year? Is it going to be online sales, or are they going to be heading to the brick-and-mortar stores? Well, that's a good question. Uh, in terms of this year, for the first time, Internet sales uh, exceed um, shopping malls in downtowns. 40.4% will be shopping, uh, spending their money at the uh, Internet, and 38.1% uh, of the budget will be spent in shopping malls and downtowns. And another 17.1% in non-mall stores. Those are like the discounters and category killers. And then lastly, about 4.4% uh, is the category that combines catalogs, television, uh, and phone sales. And, you know, when I, when, I, when I think of online shopping, I'm immediately, my mind immediately goes to Amazon. Um, are they still the, lead, the leader in online shopping, or are we seeing this kind of break apart a little bit more? Yeah, we do ask a question in terms of what uh, websites do you plan to, uh, to shop. And uh, in our survey, uh, we index it to 100, and Amazon is the leader, so there are the 100 the nearest one is Best Buy at eight, so I mean it's just huge in terms of Amazon. It's for most people, it's the first place that they choose to do their shopping, and then the others, unless they have very specialized types of needs like Best Buy. And I don't know if you can answer this question. Uh, any idea on why folks are planning to spend more this year? Are they feeling uh, good about the economy as a whole? Yeah, if you looked at consumer sentiment survey numbers from the uh, uh, the University of Michigan and from the conference board, they're all very positive. In fact, the conference board numbers are the highest they've been in uh, the last 10 years. So uh, people are looking uh, looking up and their pay increases, while not large, they are moving that way. We also have uh, a stock market which uh, is uh, at record level highs. 
and there is a wealth effect that uh, for every $100 that the stock market goes up, people spend about 2% more. So that certainly is playing into this as well. And kind of going back to uh, the malls and different outdoor shopping centers, any idea on where shoppers are planning to go here in the Twin Cities this year? Yeah, the in terms of the top five this year, the Mall of America is by far uh, the strongest. One out of five people say that they're going to do most of their shopping at the Mall of America. Uh, in second place was Rosedale, and that comes uh, uh, at about uh, 13% followed by Ridgedale, Eden Prairie, and Southdale. And David, too, another thing I wanted to ask you, I know uh, your survey is based on uh, folks uh, here in the Twin Cities, but do you feel that these numbers will uh, mirror in outstate Minnesota as well? Well, I think I don't think it's uh, quite as uh, uh, good for the outstate areas. The farm economy is generally down at this particular point in time, and a lot of that is the uh, price of... Uh, Corn and soybeans are down compared to a year ago and down from four years ago when uh, basically uh, crops were getting about double what they are currently. And so there's just not as much spendable income out there. On the other hand, if we take a look at uh, some areas of the state, they have uh, not only low uh, unemployment, but they have uh, a challenge getting people because they're actually under 3% in terms of unemployment. So things are good in in certain markets and not so good in others, but agriculture is certainly a drag uh, in terms of the uh, rural economy. Thanks again to my guest, St. Thomas University Marketing Professor Emeritus Dave Brennan. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Football players from the U of M donated their own money to create a turkey drive to help feed needy families in the Twin Cities this week. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has more. After donating their own money to the cause, Gopher football players braved some cold temperatures on Tuesday night at TCF Bank Stadium and handed out about 200 turkeys, along with cans of corn and gravy, to families in need for Thanksgiving. Minnesota defensive back Antonio Chenault. Coach Fleck asked us as a leadership council on what we wanted to do to serve and give as to the community, and uh, this is one of the options we came up with. We thought it would be a pretty cool idea, have everyone pitch in, get the turkeys, and uh, uh, supply them to the different people around in the community. You guys took money out of your own pockets, right? Yeah, all you players? Yep, absolutely. Every single one of us. We all we all wanted to do our part to give back. Which is pretty unique because every player on the team comes from a different background. So there's guys that might need that money that have given it up, right? Right. And especially those guys, you know, they understand the importance coming from different backgrounds of, of other people, of other families who may need it more than us. So you're talking like 200 families here in the area through different organizations will get connected to the football team. P.J. Flex talked about that, to connect to the community. And if it's whether it's this or going to the hospital or other things, how much does it hit home with you and your teammates? Oh, it hit home a, a, a lot to us because we understand that football is just a game. There are a lot of other things outside the world, and it allows us to get perspective from different things. Uh, what kind of feedback have you been getting from the people who you've been helping out? Oh, they're super grateful, you know, which really makes it makes our day because, you know, that's what we wanted to give back to everyone, and, and we're very appreciative that they appreciated it. Um, as you, now you're a junior here, uh, so you've got another year uh, ahead under this kind of a, a culture, as Coach Fleck calls it. How much can you grow as a person? 
tremendously you know from the past year since he's been here I think everybody on the team has grown you know not only just in football but as he talks athletically academically socially and spiritually though the, the growth I've seen from everybody on the team is crazy one of the organizations the team connected with is Minneapolis-based Boulder Options which helps mentor young kids at risk Lucy Bossard is the health and wellness coordinator there and says they have several families whose holidays are now brighter because of this turkey drive it's just a really great service a lot of our families you know it's this is a really stressful time of year, uh, trying to put things together and put a meal on the table or even just, you know, get out to the grocery store. They've got a lot going on. So this is a really great opportunity for them to just be able to pick up a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> What's it kind of mean that it's, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old football players that have come up with this idea to help the community? I think it's really wonderful. I mean, that's that's where this, these kinds of things really can start. I mean, you don't have to be any sort of age to get going with this kind of stuff. And for 18 to 19, 19-year-old boys to be thinking outside of themselves and wanting to give something to the community, it just says a lot. Some of the text messages and phone calls that I got back, you know, as I was letting people know that this was happening, that people were just so thankful. They were just like, oh my gosh, they're really going to do this. This is, I mean, it's just taking a lot of stress away from people and they're just very enthusiastic about it. So we had responses almost immediately. And as we stand here talking, it is a little chilly mm -hmm. and you guys have set up kind of a drive-through opportunity. Uh, if you can give us a little play-by-play, -play, tell us kind of when the folks who want the food come in, uh, how do they do this? So they just drive around in this little kind of cul-de-sac area. Um, uh, there's a big semi truck here that shows that we have go for football here and they just pull right through, pull up, hand their vouchers to the nice gentlemen that are all helping out here today. They go get a bag from, from the table and bring them, they offer them hot chocolate too because it's so chilly. And then they, they're on their way right back out into the night. <laughs> What's in each one of these bags? So they get a turkey, stuffing, and a little thing of gravy too. So it's pretty much a whole meal. That's Lucy Bossert and Antonio Chenault brightening the holidays on Minnesota Matters. Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.